Welcome to Policy for the People, a show that explores the public policies that can lift up all Oregonians. This show is a collaboration between KMUZ Radio and the Oregon Center for Public Policy. I am your host, Juan Carlos Ordonez. Oregon has a devastating housing crisis. People living in the streets, families facing eviction, were being crushed by the cost of housing. This fire has been raging for a long time. You'd think that our state government would be doing all it can to fix the problem, but you'd be wrong. Oregon's biggest housing program, the Mortgage Interest Deduction, does nothing to help solve the housing crisis. That's because this is a tax subsidy mainly for the well-off. Every budget period, Oregon spends about a billion dollars on the mortgage interest deduction, the mid. To even benefit from it, you have to own a home with a mortgage. So by definition, it excludes renters. It does nothing for the families facing eviction, those who have lost that battle, or those for whom the rent eats a huge chunk of the family budget. But even among those who own a home, only some actually benefit from the mortgage interest deduction. It's well-off homeowners who are the biggest beneficiaries of this program. If you can claim the mid, it can even help pay for your vacation home, if you can afford one. The fact that it's mainly a housing subsidy for the well-off is only one of the many flaws of the mortgage interest deduction, according to an audit recently released by the Oregon Secretary of State's office. In this episode of Policy for the People, we're pleased to share our conversation with Oregon Secretary of State Shamia Fagan and Audit's Director Kip Mehmet. They discuss why the Oregon Secretary of State's office decided to audit Oregon's biggest housing subsidy and what that audit revealed. Secretary Fagan, before we discuss the findings of the audit of the mortgage interest deduction that your office recently conducted, let's talk about the auditing process itself. Can you explain to the listeners why the Oregon Secretary of State conducts audits of state programs? What is the purpose of those audits? The Secretary of State, first off, performs audits of state programs because that's one of her constitutional duties and responsibilities. So in the Oregon Constitution, the Secretary of State is the, is the chief auditor of the state. And so, number one, that's the reason we do it is it's, it's the, one of the constitutional responsibilities of my office. But from a values perspective, I think that actually their audits program is one of the most important tools that I have as Secretary of State to fulfill my mission of building trust with Oregonians, because our audits division, and, and this is very true under our extraordinary audits director, Kip Mehmet, and our incredible team of professional auditors, is they're one of the best tools that we have to, to make sure that our state's scarce resources are actually making a positive impact in the lives of Oregonians who need those services the most. So given that, why was it that your office decided to conduct an audit of the mortgage interest deduction? The audits needs to be of the risks to the state. You know, we only can do about a dozen or so performance audits a year because of our budget from the legislature. So we have to be very selective in looking at the most significant risks facing the state of Oregon so that our auditors can do their professional work and then make recommendations about how we can mitigate those risks so that public services work better for Oregonians and so that we don't face crises, right? That we are able to avoid crises. And uh, unfortunately, we are already in a housing crisis and really have been in Oregon for decades. This housing crisis is not new. 
you know, I, my mom battled meth and heroin addiction for most of my childhood. And she was houseless for most of my life on and off the streets, in and out of shelters, couch serving. Once I remember going and visiting her when I was in high school and she was living under somebody's porch. And so this is not a new housing crisis. That was, you know, visiting my mom under a porch was in the 1990s. And so we were already in a housing crisis. And so when I became secretary of state and sat down with Kip Mehmet, our audits director to say, how do we build an audit plan? It's about finding the biggest risks facing our state. And there's, there really is not a lot of risks bigger to the, the health and safety and well-being of Oregonians right now than it is so difficult for folks to find and keep housing and have stable housing. And so this to me was something that we looked at the mortgage interest deduction and realized that in its hundred year history, it's never been audited, not once. We didn't have an old audit to pull off the shelf like we do for some programs to kind of reevaluate. This has never been audited in a hundred years as literally billions and billions of dollars have gone out in our state's largest housing subsidy, one of our state's top 10 largest expenditures period and our largest housing expenditure. And so to me, it was an obvious choice with our state in a housing crisis to look at the state's largest expenditure on housing and ask from a performance perspective, how is this working for Oregon families? How is this largest spending of housing dollars actually solving our state's housing crisis? So what was the main finding of the audit? That it's not working. Really, that's the main finding. And first off, you know, our auditors really do a, a cool process. And so the first thing they ask is, what is the purpose, right? What's the legal statutory purpose of this program. And then once they find the purpose, they then, of course, use metrics and the, the Government Accountability Office professional auditing standards to determine how well it's serving that purpose. For the mortgage interest deduction, which has been, been around for 100 years, it has no statutory purpose. I know that when you talk to people about the mortgage interest deduction, they assume the purpose is to promote homeownership, but that actually is not the statutory purpose. They couldn't find a purpose in the statute. So even if you, number one, we we're telling the legislature, if you want to keep this thing, find a purpose so that we can at least evaluate how well it's serving the purpose. But then when you even assume that the purpose is homeownership, the auditors found that it's just not doing that well for a broad base of Oregonians. It flows primarily to to wealthy Oregonians who are homeowners in, in metro and urban counties, and primarily folks who are white. It exacerbates the racial disparities we already know of in our housing system. If you think about how long the mortgage interest deduction has been around for 100 years, and think about the policies around you know not allowing Black people who live in Oregon and Black Oregonians to buy homes, to not allow them to have mortgages. As recently as the 2000s, the, the mortgage crisis showed that there were racial targeting in, you know, bad mortgage loans. And so when you think about all of those policies that have really created this disparity amongst people of color and white wealthy people from homeownership, and then you have a mortgage interest reduction that literally flows to people based on how big their mortgages are, the auditors found that it exacerbates those racial disparities. Let's dig a little bit deeper into those findings and Kip, the report states that the mortgage interest deduction is, quote, designed in a way that systematically benefits higher income taxpayers. And Secretary Fagan already alluded to this, but can you can you explain, go into some of the details as to how it is that this tax subsidy is built in such a way that it advantages higher income folks? 
Uh, happy to. The audit identified three primary reasons for the inequitable and regressive effects of the MID. And I just wanted to note your listeners that, that our report title is Without Legislative Action, the Mortgage Interest Deduction Will Remain Regressive and Inequitable. And, and I know those are kind of wonky terms, but 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 that is a, a succinct way of, of putting out what we found on this and what the secretary said is not working. So three kind of primary reasons uh, uh, that we found for that inequitable and regressive impact. First, high income taxpayers are more likely to itemize their deductions. And this is because they are more likely to have deductible expenses in amounts greater than the standard deduction. And a taxpayer needs to itemize their deductions to benefit from the mid. Secondly, Higher income payers or, or taxpayers are more likely to own more expensive homes or even second homes. Larger mortgage interest payments result in larger deductions. And third, higher income taxpayers also pay higher marginal tax rates. That leads to a larger benefit per dollar deducted. So those were three of the big underlying impacts that demonstrate the inequitability and regressive nature of this policy. Just so that the listeners are clear on a point is that, I mean, it's sort of stating the obvious, but as the name of the of this program, in fact, says it's the home mortgage interest deduction. So you have to be a homeowner to even potentially take advantage of this, right? I mean, renters do not get one cent of benefit from this program, correct? That is correct. And also, you can have homeowners who have a mortgage, but as you said, they don't itemize their tax deduction. So in that case, they also don't qualify for this tax subsidy. Uh, yes, that's correct. Another very interesting portion of the audit is that there is a geographical inequity as well in the way that this program plays out. Kip, can you talk about this geographical inequity that some counties benefit more than others? Absolutely. And it really demonstrates the the power of some of the tools we're using in auditing right now, including data analytics. And we, we did some really sophisticated data analysis using different data sets to kind of show these disparate impacts. And yes, as you suggested, one was about geographical inequities. There is a significant variation in both the percentage of taxpayers benefiting from the mid and the average benefits received by county. And then we also found that MIDS benefits accrue disproportionately to taxpayers living in Oregon's urban counties by both population and adjusted gross income. Let me give you an example. There's a significant variation in the percentage of taxpayers who benefit from MID by county with a high of 37% in Columbia County to a low of 17% in Wheeler County. The statewide average is 30% and only six counties exceeded this rate. There is also significant variation in the average mid-benefit by county. For example, Clackamas County had the highest average benefit at $331, which was almost five times larger than the lowest, which was Wheeler County at $71. Only six counties had average benefits greater than the $277 average benefit. So some counties are getting more benefits than others, but the housing crisis is affecting the entire state, right? Uh, of course. Secretary Fagan, you already talked about the racial disparities. The audit says that uh, the deduction disproportionately benefits white Oregonians compared to Oregonians of color. What is your reaction to this finding? Unfortunately, not surprised, but still horrified. I think that uh, the, what really stands out to me, as I already alluded to, is is that the audit, of course, looks at the mortgage interest deduction in its current iteration, right? Um, when you look at the last hundred years, when 
it was nearly impossible um, for a black family in Oregon to buy a home or to buy a home in a, a neighborhood with, you know, very escalating home values. When you look at the National Realtor Association guides and policies from during the periods of race discrimination, overt race discrimination about home ownership, it, you know, that doesn't even, this audit doesn't even really specify the amount of disparities, you know, 50, 70, 80 years ago. This is about the amount of disparity today, which of course is systemic inequity because of those policies, you know, 60, 70, 80 years ago. But it really is just a stark contrast. And, and more importantly, we want to actually solve the housing crisis, right? So it's not about taking something away from people who need it. It's about how do we actually determine, or how can the legislature, the policymakers determine how to best use this money if they want to use it in the form of some kind of interest deduction for home ownership? Can it be changed or fashioned to actually promote home ownership amongst all the people of Oregon and especially to to you know for people of color and families of color to try to undo some of those systemic inequities instead of just flowing to people who just quite frankly maybe flowing disproportionately to people who don't need it there's been a lot of criticism and knee jerk reactions coming out of folks who have heard about this this um, audit which number one i just say you know it's disappointing when folks are you know afraid of facts by reacting but two there's this kind of knee jerk reaction that there's a, a recommendation this be this just be gotten rid of altogether and that's not what the audit says the audit says number one find a purpose and then number two look at reforms to help you know efficiently and effectively fulfill that purpose. That's It's asking for reforms, not to just do away with it entirely. And um, which, you know, could be concerning for some of those folks who are, you know, on the bubble in families and say, hey, we really need this. Well, that's not who the audit was, you know, really finding was getting the disproportionate benefit. The disproportionate benefit is people who are wealthy and really don't need this deduction in order to stay in their homes if the purpose of it is to promote and stable home ownership. We're taking a short break to invite you to subscribe to this podcast for free. Find Policy for the People on your favorite podcast app. And please give us a review. It really helps others find this program. Thanks. And now back to our conversation with Oregon Secretary of State Shamia Fagan and Audits Director Kip Mehmet on the audit that their office conducted of the Mortgage Interest Deduction, Oregon's biggest housing program. In terms of promoting homeownership, the audit, in fact, went into this question. It talked to folks who work in the area of promoting homeownership to see whether, in fact, the deduction was being used by low-income folks trying to buy a home. Kip, I'm wondering if you can talk to this point as to what the audit found. I just want to note on the prior response quickly here that we did not audit this, but part of our looking at equity auditing is we're really looking at bringing history as a root cause into our audits, the 100 years that the secretary has referred to a couple of times. Um, and so we noted past practices like redlining and racial deep covenants. And again, didn't audit these, didn't have findings, traditional. But we just wanted to note out that, you know, this has been a longstanding, some systematic barriers um, to lower income folks and people of color in our state to home ownership. So we didn't, you know, try to put a whole hundred year history out that's audited, but we, we need to look at root causation and root causation can, can be over a long long period of time. But to your question you just asked, the audit team was unable to identify specific and really important for us measurable effects of this policy, demonstrating that this idea that it will even help anyone buy a home, so therefore it's a good policy. We just did not really find that. 
Anecdotally, as you noted in your question, the audit team met with some nonprofit home ownership counselors from seven different home ownership centers across the state. These centers are set up to specifically help folks that are having a hard time getting a home, get a home, get into a, a house. And we, we talked to them to learn about primary barriers to low that low and moderate income Oregon's face when buying that home and, and then how MID addresses them. And overall, they almost uniformly told us that MID does not help their clients address these barriers. They noted that the primary barriers from their clients include limited funds for a down payment, the high price of homes in the current market, and then credit issues from past uh, spending practices. One housing counselor told us that, quote, I can't think of a single client that the MID ever made a difference for, end quote. Another told us that, quote, the MID is a tool that serves people at the higher end of the income spectrum, and the nature of the housing market is that there is no path for most people to benefit from the MID, end quote. Last point here, research on this deduction from the U.S. Congressional Research Service also noted that upfront costs like down payments and closing costs are the primary barrier for low to moderate income homeowners or buyers, I should say. And because the MID does not address these barriers, its effect on homeownership rates may be very small. And that's per the U.S. Congressional Research Service. So that I hope answers your question. So at the end of the day, we have a big homeownership program that is not helping those who need help affording a home, but in fact, is delivering most of the benefits to the most well-off. I'm wondering how we ended up here. How is it that this housing program came about? Uh, the audit looked a little bit into this question of the history. You know, as we keep saying, you know, we it's really odd not to find a cause uh, or, or a purpose for a policy. This was a series of federal uh, deductions that have been longstanding. Um, the audit team scoured federal and state law and legislative testimony and records to determine legislative intent, and we were just not able to identify that clear intent. So it is kind of hard to answer your question of why. Um, usually auditors can find the why, you know, maybe a really weak why, or it may have changed because of history, but that's what's so perplexing about this one. And that's, again, as the secretary noted, why we recommended, hey, we don't even know if it's good. We know it's having negative impacts but you at least can better define what it is so we can at least measure the impacts to uh, you know, align with what it was supposed to do. But I'll just say this, the ability to deduct mortgage interests along with other types of interest has been present in the federal and Oregon tax codes since they were instituted, as the secretary said, over 100 years ago. And sometimes in government, there's just some inertia that just carries on and things are put in place many years before that are just never questioned, especially around tax policy because of its controversial nature. Secretary Fagan, anything you want to add on this point? Kip, I think, hit it on the, the nail on the head. And then the policy has to be changed by the legislature, right? This isn't state law. It's in statute. And so we can make an audit. We can give the legislature the information. But speaking as a former legislator, and I know that, you know, the Oregon Center for Public Policy and other, um, you know, good government watchdog groups that are trying to help the most vulnerable have, are going to know the truth of this, which is that there's a very powerful lobbying arm that the second anybody mentions reforming this, they immediately reach out to not wealthy people with million dollar homes. They reach out to seniors who are on the bubble 
and they make those people afraid that somebody's trying to take money away from them that's helping them stay in their homes. Which of course, you know, at least when I was a legislator and we looked at changes, nobody was ever suggesting taking money away from people who needed this to stay in their homes. The reforms we looked at were, you know, putting an income cap on it or not allowing it to apply to vacation homes and second homes that are vacation homes. And but I remember specifically my freshman legislative session when we started looking at this immediately, my office got flooded with calls from seniors who had been called by, you know, a lobbying group that didn't want any changes. And they had been told, you know, your state legislator is considering um, taking, you know, the, away money that helps you pay for your home. Push one to call your legislator's office. So we just got flooded with terrified seniors, you know, and you have to talk to them one-on-one and say, no, nobody's trying to, you know, n- make it harder for you to stay in your home. If anything, with reform of the mortgage interest deduction, you could maybe spend some of that, the state's largest housing subsidy to make sure that people can stay in their homes. But that nuance is lost when there's just powerful lobbyists that, you know, essentially buy a really large microphone and then just start scaring people. And then it's easier to just do, to do nothing. That's why these things sometimes stick around for a hundred years and billions and billions of dollars are spent while we're living through a decades-long housing crisis and a, and a homelessness crisis. Related to this point that you just made, that there's no review of this program that has been around for, for decades, if not 100 years, it's also the case, as the audit points out, that there's no state agency that is ultimately responsible for overseeing the mortgage interest deduction. What is, in fact, a $1 billion housing program. Can you talk about how it is that such a large program has no state agency overseeing it? Well, I can talk generally and then and then Director Mehmet can give you more details with respect to this audit. But, the, you know, the general structure of the way that our state legislature allocates the budget is that if you want a budget item from the legislature, the legislature writes the budget again every two years for every biennium. And so, you know, groups like the schools and, you know, public safety and public health and every other thing you can think of, the counties that get money, you know, from the state budget, they have to come every two years, put their budget forward, be open to, you know, scrutiny from the legislature and scrutiny from the public, which, by the way, they we should be, right? This is, this is public dollars. There should be that scrutiny. So no objections there whatsoever. And then they go and then the legislature looks at how much money they have and they kind of allocate how much money they, you know, they can afford and that they believe is justified for particular programs. And that money is then allocated for two years. And then the next two years, they come back and start the whole process over again. That's how, you know, scrutiny of public money should be, right? There should be those open hearings and the the people's representatives scrutinizing those dollars. For tax credits, back in 2009, the legislature passed a bill that said every tax credit in the state budget is going to sunset automatically every six years. So every six years, a tax credit will sunset. And those were kind of put in a staggering sense. So every two years for the budget cycle, the legislature is looking at a series of tax credits and they're able to do that kind of similar scrutiny. How is this working? How much is it costing? Are we going to proactively choose to, to renew this tax credit, right? So for tax credits and then state expenditures of money, that, that scrutiny happens every two to six years. But for tax deductions, None of that applies. Once you get a tax deduction in, 
A hundred years later, it's still there unless somebody took proactive measures to actually get rid of it or reform it or change it. And that's what we have with not just the mortgage interest deduction, other tax uh, deductions, but they don't get that scrutiny. And then whenever legislators try to say, hey, let's look at some reforms here for the state's largest housing subsidy in the midst of a housing crisis, then you get the powerful lobbyists who don't want any changes coming in and essentially scaring people into believing that the people who need it and who are vulnerable, scaring them into believing that you know they might lose their homes, which of course no legislator, me nor any other legislators have ever suggested reforming it in a way that would make vulnerable Oregonians, seniors and people that need it to stay in their homes. No one's ever suggested reforming it in that way, but that's what the lobbyists tell people and then people get scared. So that's kind of the, the general overview, but Director Mennett may have more details about this particular audit. Just three quick points to add to what the secretary said of why nobody's looking at this in the state here. First, beyond being included as a deduction on state tax returns, the MID requires little state level administration because it is tied to that federal tax. So there's not really, it's not really a high priority from a work day-to-day work or strategy for state age, any state agency. And second, it's kind of, you know, one of those sad, obvious things in government, you know, when we went through these, some of the recessions, particularly back in the 8-9 era, 2008-9 era, there were a lot of cuts in government. And one of the, a lot of oversight functions got cut too. And at that time, the governor's office and the, the Department of Revenue, who had been doing some level, not like we've done, there was no audit of mid, but some level of evaluation was pretty much uh, done away with in, in cuts. And then third, you know, tax policy has, you know, everybody's got a perception, everybody's got an emotion around it, and it's very uh, precarious and, and sensitive information to even look at. And so I think some of the some of the stakeholders we talked to just thought, you know, what's the use of even looking at this? Because you're going to read, even if you find the results like we did, there's going to be such resistance to change, it's not worth the effort. Before we wrap up, let me ask you both, uh, is there something we haven't covered that you would like to bring up? Kip, maybe you can go first. Sounds good. I just want to be real brief here. I want to thank Secretary Fagan for her vision. You know, you and I, Juan Carlos, were talking a little bit in advance, and you noted that with your colleagues nationally, and I appreciate you sent her audit out, and no one had seen state audits looking at this. I can attest that there aren't a lot of state auditors looking at this. There are not a lot of local auditors looking at this, and we hope that our our model will help other states look at this from exactly our same lens. And I also want to just note, we're just getting started here. We're going to be auditing a lot of tax policy. Uh, we're, we're ramping up. We're going to be briefing the secretary on some options here in the next week or two. And so we're just getting going. But I want to thank her for her vision. This is really unique, innovative work. Thanks. And, and I'll just note that, you know, it doesn't take much of a drive throughout any part of Oregon to recognize that our state, the people of our state are suffering and there are tents along 205, and there are people who are houseless in every county in our state, kids, kids who are houseless in every county in our state. And, you know, there's a lot of talk, whether it's through a president, you know, through a election season or otherwise editorials and letters saying, people saying, you know, we're sick of the status quo. How do we get this to change? And it's easy to, to recognize the problem, right? It's not hard to see somebody you know, cold on a night sleeping in a sleeping bag on the side of the freeway to say that's not the Oregon that we want to be. And the solutions are hard. And so as people are considering, you know, how do we change the status quo? How do we not keep doing the same thing we've always done and expecting a different result when it comes to our housing crisis? We offer this audit to say, look, this has been the status quo. This is how we spent the most, the largest expenditure 
of our that we've spent on housing as a state for the past 100 years for a century has been this. And here are maybe some places to look to make changes to reform the status quo so that we don't continue in the housing crisis that, again, is not new. I've, uh, you know, as a kid, I, I watched it with my mom in the 90s, um, living under porches, living in shelters, living on the streets in Portland. And so this is not new. So when we add, let's add to that conversation is we ask for bold leaders willing to take on the status quo. Let's remember that this 100 year old tax subsidy is the status quo. And I encourage them to look at our audit and consider ways to reform that to actually solve this statewide housing crisis. Well, thank you both so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Thanks for the conversation. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Policy for the People. We will see you next time.